Hi, this is Matt Wallace, lead pastor at Holy Cross Lake Mary, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us, and I pray this message inspires you and helps build your faith. To learn more about Holy Cross, visit hclm.org. Enjoy the message. And here we are in December after that crazy, crazy year. Uh, you know, Matt, it's kind of funny, uh, you kind of made the joke that, you know, we, we planned that out or whatever, and obviously that's not true, but uh, it, if I was going to be honest, I would actually say that basically my every prediction about what was going to happen this year was wrong. All my instincts were wrong about what was going to happen uh, this year. Um, I remember, you know, back when I first heard about the pandemic going on in other places around the world, I thought to myself, that could never happen here, right? We would never uh, let things get to that level here. And of course, I was wrong. And I remember when someone first asked me, do you think we're going to have to cancel services and just do services online, my initial reaction was, nah, we're never going to have to do that, you know? And then literally a week later, I was saying to my team, I think we're going to have to cancel services and go to online. I remember in March, uh, about a month away still from Easter, uh, Chris Kutcher, our worship leader, uh, he said to me, hey, you know, we should probably start thinking about how we're going to handle Easter. And I was like, what do you mean how we're going to handle Easter? It'll be exactly the same. Surely this won't still be going on by then. And then, of course, it was. Uh, There was a lot of uncertainty about the year. And uh, if anything, I have become a little bit resigned now about just accepting the fact that we have to deal with this uncertainty that we really can't know. We don't know exactly what's going to happen. Uh, We don't know what is coming next. And so I've become kind of just resigned to that at this point. And maybe you have too. Maybe you have felt a little bit uh, the same way looking back at this year. So many things happened that were unexpected um, and that didn't kind of go the way we hoped. I mean, I, if you thought we were still going to be where we are today, way back in like March, then you're a smarter person than I am uh, because I never would have thought that. 2020 has indeed been a crazy, crazy year. But I was thinking about this and, uh, you know, it's not the only time in history that there have been some crazy, crazy years or some crazy, crazy periods of time where it seemed like just about everything was going wrong. In fact, I think the year one was also actually pretty crazy. You know, you start to think about just the story of Christmas, what we're talking about for, uh, you know, Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus. And you go back in that year period, you know, Mary gets visited by an angel. And, you know, the angels, as we read in the Luke 2 text, when they appeared to the shepherds, the first words out of their mouths are always, fear not. Because they were fearsome creatures, and an angel appears to Mary and tells her that something absolutely crazy is going to happen to her, that she's going to have a baby, that not through normal, natural means, but simply through the power of the Holy Spirit, and that this baby was going to be the Messiah. It's going to be the Christ. 
And then uh, Joseph, you know, he, uh, he doesn't buy this right away. We didn't get to read this part of the story tonight. But an angel also had to appear to him, also equally frightening, but maybe not so reassuring because the angel basically had to tell Joseph to get his act together and to get on the page with everybody else and that this was the reality he was going to have to deal with and he better accept it. And so he did. And then they were dealing with this pregnancy, and uh, all of us that have kids know that even people that love being pregnant, there's still some difficult times. And especially you think back when Mary and Joseph were around, and there wasn't the medical knowledge, the support, and all of that, and how difficult it must have been simply to be pregnant back then. But then also, okay, as it turns out, guess what? It's census year. And so you've got to travel like a hundred miles or more to another town, not in a nice comfy minivan, mind you, but mostly on foot. Maybe, uh, maybe Mary, if she was lucky, got to ride in the back of a cart while she was in the last month of her pregnancy. And then when they got to where they were going, as we just read in the story, there was no room for them. And so they had to actually stay in a stable with all the animals and all the dirt and all the smell. And you know what, guys? They didn't have hand sanitizer back then. It wasn't the most sanitary of places or experiences, and it was in that that Mary gave birth and laid Jesus in a feeding trough for one of the animals. And that's just Mary and Joseph. There were other things going on in the world then, too, that were kind of crazy. God's people, the nation of Israel... We're having a lot of trouble. First of all, there was no more nation of Israel. They had been conquered and currently were occupied by Rome. They had lost all of their political power and they were barely holding on to any of their religious power. They still had the temple, which was the center of their religion. But the high priest for that temple was now chosen every year by the Roman governor. So they didn't even really have control over that. They were overtaxed and they were oppressed. And that was the world they were living in. And that's in addition to just all the regular stuff everybody deals with. You know, in uh, scripture, there's a book called Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament. It's actually one of my favorite books of the Bible, and there's a line in there that says, there is nothing new under the sun. And people are people, and the people back then were still struggling with the same things we all struggle with. First of all, just living in a broken world where things don't always go right, where there's sometimes pain, and there's sometimes, uh, sometimes suffering, but also our personal issues, our personal problems, our personal struggles how we deal with our failures and our regrets and our shame and our guilt over those things and what the Bible calls sin, when we do things that hurt ourselves or that hurt those around us, when we do things that separate us from God. People were still dealing with those things back then as well. And it was into that world, it was into that time, those crazy times, that Jesus was born. Why? Why would God choose that time? Well, I have an answer for you. But first, I'd like to introduce you to someone 
And uh, Chris back there, if you could throw up that first picture for me. This is Clover. Clover's our little bunny that we have at home as a pet. Isn't she really cute? Yeah, she's cute. Yeah, I know, yeah. I hate that rabbit, you should know. <laughs> In fact, her name is Clover, but I usually refer to her as that stupid rabbit. And I'll tell you why, first of all, uh, her breed is, she's an English mini lop. This is when she was kind of a baby when we first got her. And when we got her and we heard her breed was an English mini lop, we thought she was gonna be, you know, one of those dwarf rabbits, the ones that only get about this big, right? Until we realized that the regular English lop is roughly the size of a medium-sized dog. And so our mini lop turned out to still be huge. Here's a picture of her today, Chris, if you would. I mean, look at those feet. It's bigger than our cat. And so when, <laughs> when she got that big, we realized we couldn't keep her in the house. We couldn't keep her in this little, little cage in the house. And so we tried letting her run around on our screened-in lanai for a while until we realized that she chewed on everything and we were going to literally lose all of our lawn furniture out there. And so then finally we moved her outside into, uh, we, we had like a, an old um, chicken coop. And we put her in there and I built a, a little run for her, like a little about six foot by three foot, whatever, and uh, just a little place for her to hop around and we thought that would be good. And so one day we walked out and I hear my wife, she mostly takes care of the rabbit because, you know, I, I hate it. And um, I hear my wife say, uh-oh. And I'm like, uh-oh, what do you mean uh-oh? And she says, uh, well, Clover's digging a hole. And I said, uh, I go, well, I better, you know, put down some bricks so she can't do that. And then in a twist of fate, what surely was prompted by the Lord, my wife said to me, oh, don't do that. It's good for her to dig. It's good for rabbits are supposed to dig. Just let her dig. And since I didn't really want to build a patio for the stupid rabbit anyway, I said, okay. And then a few days later, we walked outside and looked, and this is what we saw. Yeah, that's about a three-foot-tall pile of dirt <laughs> in the little run that I had built for her. And we didn't even know where she was going. But you know, what was done was done, so we just let it ride. And it was actually fine for a while. I think even it's been, you know, more than a year anyway. Uh, and so until literally this past week, this past week, my wife walks outside. Now, you couldn't see it in that picture, but about 10 feet away from there starts the edge of a little patio that we have uh, made out of brick pavers, right? It's where we have our grill and, you know, things like that. My wife goes out and she looks and she sees that near the edge of this brick patio, it is now suddenly sagging down. And so she goes to look, she thinks maybe it just got washed out or something, and so she starts pulling up bricks and she's, you know, thinking she's throw some sand down or something. And as she pulls up bricks, she starts looking and digging a little bit and she realizes that the stupid rabbit has tunneled its way under our brick patio 
and is now caving it in. And so, you know, we tried to fix it. We, you know, opened up a little hole and we had some dirt and we're trying to shovel dirt into this hole under the patio and sticking our foot in there and packing it down. And oh yeah, by the way, we locked up the rabbit uh, in the hutch, right? So she couldn't dig anymore. And then we tamped the dirt down with our foot and we threw bricks over it and we thought, okay, maybe we fixed it. Until we went out the next day and saw that it was sagging again, even worse than before. And we realized that we had really underestimated the network of tunnels and burrows that this rabbit had perpetuated on our patio. And I finally realized the only way I'm going to fix this is I'm going to have to open it all up. I'm going to have to get down in there. I'm going to have to dig it all out myself, refill it pack it down, and put everything back over the top of it. Literally, when you walk in front of the rabbit hutch where there's grass, there's like nothing under the sod. You feel it like sink down when you walk on it. I'm not thrilled, actually, to have to do that. But I was thinking that it's actually a pretty good analogy for what we're talking about tonight. Because sometimes when we experience things in our life, uh, when we have our issues, our problems, when we maybe have some pain and some suffering, or when we mess up, when we sin, when we hurt ourselves and hurt other people, when we disobey God, we think that we can fix it ourselves. We think that we can just shovel a little dirt into the hole and then cover it back up and that everything's going to be fine then. And it's not. It's never enough. No amount of good that we try to do to earn our favor with God is enough. It can never outdo the bad we have done. No amount of strength and fortitude and self-health and self-will can make us whole again from the hurt and pain that we have sometimes suffered in life. We can't fix it ourselves. We need someone that's willing to get down in there, to open it all up, to fix it right. That's why Jesus came. When God looked at the world, he looked at this broken world and he saw sin and he saw evil and he saw pain and he saw suffering. He knew that the only way he could fix it was to get down in it. And so he came. He came at that first Christmas as the baby Jesus in the form of a man but also the Son of God. And he came to live for us a perfect life to do what we could not do. He came to bring forgiveness, and he came to bring mercy, and he came to bring peace. Peace with ourselves, and peace with God that comes through the forgiveness he gives us. As the angels said, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among those with whom he is Think for a moment about the next year. 
We didn't know what was going to happen in 2020. We don't know what's going to happen in 2021. But we have hope, don't we? We hope for change. We hope that things are going to get better. We hope that there will be healing, both physically from the pandemic that we're dealing with, but also emotionally and spiritually from the division and the violence that we have seen and suffered throughout this past year. In spite of it all, we have hope. And I like that because the message of Christmas itself is one of hope. In fact, you know what it reminds me of? You're going to think I'm crazy, but hear me out. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of Rocky IV. You guys ever seen Rocky IV? It's getting like a little long in the tooth now. It's a classic movie, probably. But Rocky IV, you know, the boxing movie set in the Cold War era. Rocky is uh, boxing this mean Russian guy, ably played by Dolph Lundgren. And uh, through the course of the fight, you know, spoiler alert, through the course of the fight, they end up earning one another's respect and being able to set aside their hatred and their differences. And at the end of it, Rocky makes this impassioned speech. And he says this, and no, I'm not going to do the voice. <laughs> he says, if I can change, and you can change, then maybe everybody can change. Now that's not exactly the Christmas message, but if you tweak it just a little bit, it works. Because the message is not if I can change, but now the message is if I can be changed. If I can be changed by the forgiveness of sins that Jesus won for me on the cross, if I can have my guilt and shame taken away, if I can be healed of my own brokenness by God's grace and by God's mercy, if by faith alone in Jesus Christ, simply trusting in him and believing in him, I can have my relationship with God restored and I can find peace. If I can be changed by all those things in all those ways, then maybe you can be changed. Maybe the whole world can be changed. That's the message of Christmas. And it's a message that brings hope. And I pray that it brings you the same hope. And so I leave with you this blessing. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And in his name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message and would like to learn more or contribute to Holy Cross, please visit hclm.org.